0: hey there future friends this week we say hello to a familiar face we sing along with an old friend and we say goodbye to the king this is the week of november 11th 2022 and you are listening to future flicks with billiam Welcome to the show, it is that time, it is a new episode, I did skip last week, it was just about time for a break. You may be wondering what we missed last week, well, not that much. The biggest release, or the two biggest releases, were The Weird Al Yankovic Story on Roku, and Enola Holmes 2 on Netflix. Armageddon Time, a movie I talked about previously on the show, was getting an expanded release, Neither film looks bad, but they look like the kind of film you wait to see that you don't really go to the theaters for. So this week, I am back. There is a much bigger movie to be seen. We all know what it is. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever comes out this week. And even though it's safe to say it's the pick of the week, what other movies are coming out? Well, I am here to tell you that because, my friends, you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam And on this show, I do quite a few things. I tell you about all the films coming out, which I break down into two categories. The first is the limited releases. Those are any non-nationwide, non-major streaming release that did not catch my eye. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. But the trailer and the premise, the cast, everything combined did nothing to impress me. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe I'll give a thought or two on it, maybe something about why it didn't make the section or the next section, but usually that's it. After that, I go into the wide releases and interesting indies in which I say, hey friend, these are the movies that did catch my eye. Any of these could be a good use of your time either going to the theaters for or watching at home. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, just like the other one, but I also definitely give my thoughts on it. And then I give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. That can go anywhere from a zero for those truly horrid looking films to an 11 for those films that take it up that extra notch. As always, I invite you to reach out to me to tell me, hey, did you disagree with me or agree with me on any of these? Why? Why not? Did you end up seeing any of these movies? Was my guess right if I skipped it in the limited releases? Was I right to skip it? Or if I put it in the wide releases and interesting indies, did it not deserve to be there? Or you can also just reach out, say, hi, I'm here. I am actually slightly terrified, though, of someone actually finally reaching out. And it's been so long since I got a comment that I will 100% miss it. And then I alienate that listener now, Uh, my friend Critter a member of the Somewhat Nerdy family. He's a co-host on the Somewhat Nerdy podcast and or Somewhat Nerdy radio podcast and the Watch Your Mouth podcast. When I used to do questions of the week, he would answer and then I would forget to talk about his answer and I don't know why. And he is someone I have met in person. I consider him a friend. So that is one of my fears. If you ever do reach out and I don't respond, maybe I didn't see it or I forgot and I'm very sorry about that, but always try to reach out to me. I am always open to talk to people. So for now, let us jump into the first section, which is the limited release movies, and starting with a very, very disappointing movie called A Family Matters Christmas. This is coming out on Video On Demand on the 8th. I'm recording this on the 7th, so by the time you hear this episode, this is already out. Aiden, a far more intelligent kid than any 10-year-old boy should be, wishes that his newly formed family of his sister, dad, stepmother, stepbrother could get along. With the siblings constantly bickering, it's been anything but merry in the Kingsley household. With the annual Christmas science fair approaching, Aiden attempts to create an experiment in order to help his family feel like the tight-knit one he yearns for. After many failed attempts, Aiden calls upon a forgotten Christmas spirit to help. With a little bit of this newfound Christmas magic, The siblings unknowingly switch bodies, now stuck in the body of someone they couldn't seem to get along with, the siblings must work together in order to break the spell and switch back before Christmas morning. So before I tell you who's in it, let me just go over this. Based on the title, A Family Matters Christmas, you would think this has something to do with Family Matters, correct? Well, you are wrong. You are wrong and I was wrong. I saw it and I was excited going, are we getting a Family Matters reunion? But alas, we are not. There are only two people from Family Matters in this, Laura and Harriet. Laura, played by Kelly Shanine Williams, and Joe Marie Payton, who played Harriet. Because when I started watching the trailer, I recognized Laura and Harriet, but I was like, where's everyone else? Like, where's Carl? Where's uh, Steve Urkel? Where's Eddie? And then I realized, thanks to help from my wife, what they were doing. They were doing something that Hallmark does with One Tree Hill, But Hallmark is uh, better about it than whoever created this. So One Tree Hill, a show my wife and I are currently watching, I'm loving it. And Hallmark realizes what a popular show it was. So they get a bunch of people who were in One Tree Hill, put them in a Christmas movie, and that Christmas movie does really well on their channel. But what they don't say is a One Tree Hill Christmas and then have be nothing to do with One Tree Hill So this movie is lying to us skip it next up we have a movie called shadow master this also is coming out on video on demand on the 8th after being slain by a group of criminals a man is reborn with animal-like superpowers and makes it his mission to right the wrongs of his city this stars no one of note and the fight choreography looked pretty cool but the rest of it looked like after that my friends we have one called in her hands this is a limited release this week But it's getting a Netflix release on the 16th. I will talk about this in depth on the 16th because I do think it looks really good. But I'm making sure to mention it now just in case you want to try and catch it in theaters. So at 26, Zarifa Ghaffari becomes one of Afghanistan's first female mayors and the youngest to ever hold the position. Filmed over two turbulent years, the film documents her personal battle for survival as her country unravels. So this is a documentary about a badass woman who's trying to save her country from the radical religious factions that seem to be in control everywhere. Speaking of, I hope you all voted. Uh, By the time this episode comes out, uh, the time to vote will already have passed. I hope you all voted. Because remember, voting gives you the power to complain. If you are eligible to vote and you don't vote, you can shut the ever-loving f*** up. If you're a kid who can't vote yet or you have a criminal pass and you had your voting rights taken away yeah okay you can still complain I get it but remember vote it's important so yes we'll talk about in her hands next week but for now let's move along to going all the way the director's edit coming out in Los Angeles just Los Angeles getting a New York release the 16th of December originally released in 1997 after returning home from the Korean War, two young men search for love and fulfillment in Middle America. This stars Jeremy Davies from Saving Private Ryan, Ben Affleck from The Town, Amy Locan from Airheads, Rose McGowan from Charmed, Rachel Weiss from The Mummy, and Leslie Ann Warren from Victor Victoria. Here's my quick question. Uh, who the f*** asked for this? Did Did any of you even know this was a movie going all the way? Did any of you know? Here's a weird thing. So this has a score of a 5.7 on IMDb with 2,000 reviews. Again, random people, who, who gives a sh*t, right? You know I hate Rotten Tomatoes. You know I hate it. But sometimes it is useful for a metric like this where we can look at it and say, Tomato Meter, 68%. So not even that good. And Audience Score, 25%. So 22 critics, 68%. 1,000-plus ratings for audience scores, 25%. Who asked for this? No one. Next up, we have a movie called The Sun. Peter has his busy life with new partner Beth and their baby thrown into the disarray when his ex-wife Kate turns up with their teenage son Nicholas. This is a sequel to the movie The Father that came out a year or two ago and stars Hugh Jackman from Logan. Vanessa Kirby from Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. I know I could have just said Hobbs and Shaw, but I like saying the whole thing, so sue me. Anthony Hopkins from Red Dragon, Laura Dern from Jurassic Park, William Hope from Aliens, and Hugh Quershire from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So if you remember that movie, uh, it got wonderful reviews. It's supposedly one of Anthony Hopkins' best performances. It was him and Olivia Coleman. So this is the same family. It's another story within this family. And this is only coming out in New York and L.A. this week. uh, Hopefully getting a wider release some other time, but I don't know when that is. Next up, we have a movie I'm very, very excited for, but it's getting another, and once again, a New York, L.A. release this week, nationwide on the 23rd. So I'm going to be brief about it this time. This movie is called The Fableman's. Growing up in post-World War II-era Arizona, a young man named Sammy Fableman discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of film can help him see the truth. This stars Michelle Williams from My Week with Marilyn, Gabriel Labelle from The Predator, Paul Dano from Little Miss Sunshine, Judd Hirsch from Taxi, Seth Rogen from This is the End, Oakes Fegley from Pete's Dragon, the remake, and director David Lynch. This is Steven Spielberg's latest film, and all of the early reviews from people I trust, uh, especially Straw Hat Goofy, if you haven't checked him out yet, do that. He's amazing. Say this movie's great, and I am very excited for it. Even if it wasn't for someone I respect and trust saying it was great, I would want to see this. Even if it wasn't a Steven Spielberg film, I would want to see this. So let's move on to a movie called Dylan and Zoe, a limited release movie, a true limited this This time, no, just New York and L.A. here. Estranged friends reunite for one evening to try and bridge the gap that has divided them for so long. This stars Claudia Domet from The Boys. Next up, we have another movie with a similar title, but instead of Dylan and Zoe, it's called Sam and Kate. A life-affirming family dramedy that takes place in a small town in the heart of the country. Bill is a larger-than-life father to Sam, who has returned home to take care of Bill and his ailing health. While home, Sam falls for a local woman. At the same time, Bill starts to fall for her mom. The course of true love never runs smooth, and these four will be forced to confront their pasts while trying to make new love work in their lives. This stars Sissy Spacek from Carrie and Dustin Hoffman from The Graduate. I struggled with with this movie. I, I wanted to put it in the wide releases and interesting indies, but Sissy Spacek and Dustin Hoffman, fantastic pair. The movie does look good, but it just didn't look good enough for me to put it in the next section. So here it sits. Once again, and I'm going to say this every week until someone does it, if you see this movie and you like it, let me know. I'm always down for a recommendation. I can't promise I'll get to it right away because I'm very bad about that, but I I am always down for a recommendation. After that is a film called Bar Fight with an exclamation point. Bar Fight! Nina and Alan split everything in their lives after their breakup and must compete in a ridiculous custody battle for their prized watering hole in which lines will be drawn, sides will be chosen, and beers will be drunken. That is the official premise. I did not write the word drunken. This stars Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Luca Jones from Shrill, Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the TV show, Dot Marie Jones from Glee, and Vic Sahey from Chuck. I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to watch this movie. I will. Just years in the future probably when it comes to streaming or I find it in the dollar store or a Walmart bargain bin or at my local used Blu-ray store. I'll watch this sometime. It does look funny. It looks cute. Not now. After that, we have a movie called The Friendship Game. A group of teenagers in a small town discover a strange object that tests the strength of their friendship. And if their friendship falters... They Die. This stars Peyton List from Cobra Kai, Brendan Meyer from Color Out of Space, and Kelsey Mawema from To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Uh, This movie kind of looks like if Ouija was worse. And Ouija was pretty bad. Next up, a film called Manifest West. This is a coming-of-age story told through the eyes of a young girl whose family spirals out of control after they decide to live off the grid. This stars Annette Mahendru from The Americans. Michael Kudlitz from The Walking Dead, and Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job. I f***ing hate stories like this. So we have these two parents that decide to live off the grid and be f***ing weirdos living out in the middle of nowhere and take their kids with them. And then the government's like, um, um, what are you doing with your, with your kids? They're not going to school. Uh, there's no structure in their lives. Uh, you're What's going on? It gives me Captain Fantastic vibes. Without the, without the whole looking good aspect, you know that important thing. Two more movies left, and then the break. My friends, how about we talk about a movie called Paradise City? I heard a rumor that the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Ryan Swan must carve his way through the Hawaiian crime world to wreak vengeance on the kingpin who murdered his father. This stars Bruce Willis from Die Hard, John Travolta from Face Off, Stephen Dorff from Blade and Blake Jenner from Glee. So that's a pretty good cast, except that my wife just reminded me that Blake Jenner is an abusive ass- beat Melissa Benoit so bad she has a permanent scar because of it. Like, if you see the pictures of it, they're truly disturbing. So he is some sort of awful monster, and because of that, if I had put this movie in the next section, I would have put it in here Just because of that, like I like Bruce Willis, John Travolta. Sure, Stephen Dorff, great. But putting this guy in this movie, just no. Next up, and finally, the last limited release movie, a movie called Spirited, another film that's getting a limited theatrical release and a wider release next week on Apple TV+. So I'm going to talk about it in depth there a musical version of Charles Dickens' story of a miserly misanthrope who is taken on a magical journey. This stars Will Ferrell from a little movie you may have seen called Elf, Ryan Reynolds from another tiny movie called Deadpool. I'm going to stop that joke here. Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures, Sunyat Mani from Glow, Joe Tippett from Mr. Harrigan's Phone, and the voice of Tracy Morgan? I'm not sure, because on IMDb, he's listed as the voice of someone. But normally on IMDb, if someone only does a voice, it says voice next to the character name. So I don't know if Tracy Morgan will physically be in it or if it's just his voice. Either way, Tracy Morgan is involved. And remember, he loves to Google himself. But really, to do it at work? Really? Rubbing one out in the office? Come on. Don't do that. All right, my future friends, that is it for the limited release section. Quite a few movies this week in that one. Uh, arguably some of them do look good and some of them will be good but again limited releases this week wider releases next week so i will save my breath and let us jump into the first and only break as you hear a word from our good friends at we're doing fine with robbie and lisa and uh you know somewhat nerdy radio the predecessor podcast to this one in the somewhat nerdy radio network so stay tuned Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa, and I'm Robbie, and we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean, I'm from Scotland, and I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits, you mean cookies, Brexit, whatever's going on here, who knows, almost dying, why we're single, popular culture, and basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in, because we're we're doing doing fine. fine. All right, everyone, we are back with the rest of the show, the wide releases and interesting indies. So I'm just going to say I'm not going to talk about the movie again. But don't worry, darling, Is coming to HBO Max on the 7th. So today, the day I'm recording this, it's already available to watch. So if you avoided this movie and had anything to do with the weirdness with Olivia Wilde and all that shit, hey, now you can watch it on streaming. Why not, right? So let's start with a Netflix original which, if I'm being honest, is making me second-guess my rule of putting every major streaming service release in this section. The movie's called Lost Bullet 2, back for more. This comes out on the 10th on Netflix. After the death of Charas, Lino and Julia took over and formed the new narcotic unit. Determined to find the murders of his brother and his mentor, Lino continues to hunt and won't let anyone get in the way. This serves no one of note. And it looks terrible. It looks awful. Like, it would get a zero if there weren't at least a couple interesting action scenes in the trailer. That's all it has going for it. Skip this 100%, especially because it's the sequel to a movie that probably wasn't even any good. Lost Bullet 2, more like you should have lost this movie, too. Lost Bullet 2, back for more, gets a two out of 11. Next up, my friends, is a prime original movie also coming out on the 10th called Autumn Beat. Two brothers, Tito and Paco, have the same dream to break into the rap music world. Paco is a born performer and Tito knows how to write like no other, but ambitions, life, and love for the same woman will test their bond. This stars artists like Abby Six, Gue Pequeño, Irina, Tradisi Pietro, and safara e Basta. This is a movie from Italy about rappers, underground rappers in Italy. I mean, it could be cool, but I was so unimpressed by the trailer. Maybe if I was Italian or knew anything about Italian rap, I might be interested in this. But for now, I'm saying it gets a 4 out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a movie called Burning at Both Ends or resistance 1942 it's listed under both titles depending what where you look though on imdb it's called burning at both ends top behind enemy lines a small group of dissident survivors struggle to remain hidden from the nazis as they use a radio to broadcast a message of hope this stars carrie elwes from robin hood men in tights judd hirsch again second time this week from independence day jason patrick from the lost boys and Gillies Marini from Days of Our Lives. Uh, this doesn't look bad. In fact, I think this looks like a really good film. It 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 gives me the vibe that it's either loosely based on a true story or the writer of this movie read the book All the Light We Cannot See because of the big the big part of that movie that a radio played in that one. But anyway, we have Carrie Always, who's this guy stuck behind enemy lines and france or somewhere he's behind enemy lines not the not the movie with owen wilson later taken over by ted dibiase and then randy orton i I don't i don't remember but he's behind enemy lines and he's trying to get messages of hope out and information about resistance and stuff like that over the radio and the nazis are trying to find him and triangulate his position so they can kill him so it's about this guy trying to keep doing this and these other survivors, other people, including a bunch of Jews, who are hiding out because the Nazis are going to kill them, and this guy who's trying to hide them, and in the trailer, we see this really interesting scene where these Nazis are coming to this guy's house, the guy who's hiding them, and they go, oh, we will be having dinner at your house this week, yeah? And he's like, no, and they say, yeah, yeah, we will, and so what happens is then this guy realizes, hey, you all can't hide here while the nazis are here because they're going to be looking around going oh what is this? what is this over here i'm a nazi yeah and what they're going to end up doing is catching them so he, they these people these people who are hiding have to pretend to be the servants i think this looks pretty good not worth going to see in oh you can't even see it in theaters i forgot it's video on demand uh, is it worth video on demand price uh, I, I, don't, I don't know maybe it could be i'd watch a trailer and if if it just talks to you then of course watch it other than that i would wait for the price to drop or i'd wait for a streaming service to get it because it does look good but it looks like it could wait burning at both ends or resistance 1942 gets a six out of eleven next up my friends is a netflix movie called monica oh my darling a slick robotics expert joins a murderous plot after a passionate affair takes a sudden turn, but nothing, not even death, is what it seems to be. This is a movie from India, and it looks fing bonkers. Not bonkers like some of the stuff India puts out, which I love, I'm not talking shit about it, I-, I love that stuff, but it looks just bonkers enough. So it would be palatable for an American audience who are not familiar with Indian cinema or Bollywood movies. So I do assume this movie is Bollywood because it's filmed in Mumbai. And thanks to my friend Google, that's where Bollywood is uh, is located. Once again, my friends, if I ever get something wrong, let me know. Especially something like that, because I I'm at the mercy of my Google foo for stuff like this. But Monica, Omar, darling looks entertaining. And best of all, it's on a streaming service you either already have because you pay for it, or you have it because you have access to it through a friend. It looks like it is worth your while. So Monica Oh My Darling gets a 7 out of 11. After that, we have a documentary called Is That Black Enough For You? This is on Netflix. This tracks a history of black cinema focused mainly on the 70s with archival and new interviews with many of the key players from the area. So this is a documentary featuring interviews with people like Samuel L. Jackson, Whoopi Goldberg, Lawrence Fishburne, Billy D. Williams, Harry Belafonte, Susan DePass, Margaret Avery, and a lot more. I, I think this looks really good. I-, I am very, very excited to see this because in, this, in the trailer, we had Samuel L. Jackson saying, hey, growing up, who did I have to look at? As a representation of black people in media. What did he have? He had a bunch of caricature actors. Nothing wrong with them, of course. That was the parts they were given, like plain stereotypes. And then Buckwheat. And again, nothing wrong with Buckwheat. And then in the 70s, it it started to change. We started to get more. And this movie is talking about that. This movie is talking about the growth of black excellence that always, always had the Ability to be there, but was never allowed to be there because of racism in Hollywood. This movie will talk about some of the more pivotal roles. I even saw scenes from Blazing Saddles in the movie. Blazing Saddles, of course, written and directed by Mel Brooks, who's not black, but starring Cleavon Little as the sheriff, and it's it's just such a well-done movie. But I'm actually very excited to learn about more movies that I had no idea existed, And learning about the history of them. So is that black enough for you? Looks like it's going to be well worth your time. And from me, it gets a 9 out of 11. After that, we have a movie called Falling for Christmas. This is the third to last movie. This is coming out on Netflix on the 10th. So by the time you hear this episode, it's probably already out. In the days leading up to Christmas, a young and newly engaged heiress experiences a skiing accident. After being diagnosed with amnesia, she finds herself in the care of a handsome lodge owner and his daughter. This stars Lindsay Lohan from Mean Girls, Cord Overstreet, which is my new favorite name ever, from Glee, George Young from Malignant, and Jack Wagner from The Bold and the Beautiful. So we have our third person from Glee this week, and the second who does not deserve to have their balls cut off. Good good news here. Good news. This person is, uh, at least as far as I know, nothing wrong with him. But Lindsay Lohan, right? Um Netflix knows what they're doing. They 100% know what they're what they're doing. Another studio could have grabbed her for this and done uh, like her first movie back after, you know, however long, but she is doing a Netflix original cheesy Christmas movie and I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong, it looks terrible. It looks awful, but I'm going to watch it. Am I going to love it? Probably. Am I going to hate it? Yes, I will. I'm going to do both because that is how I feel about these Christmas movies. They are not good, but they're wonderful. This looks, if I have to put this on an imaginary list or a list I'm putting together in my head right now, I'm going to say this looks worse than The Christmas Prince 3, which was terrible. Uh, My wife and I love Christmas movies. I mean, who doesn't? If you don't, you're, you, uh, you don't count anymore. Go away. Shoo. Be gone. Bzz. Unless it's a religious thing, of course, whatever. That's fine. But, uh, we like the princess switch movies. We like these hallmark movies, especially anything like I've mentioned earlier with someone from one tree hill in it. She loves those, but falling for Christmas looks like it's going to be worse than the worst one I've seen. It's not going to stop me from watching it, but it's important to put these things in perspective. You know, with movies like this, when you watch a trailer, exactly what you're going to get. So we have this woman. She's an heiress to this big, big uh, a hotel company or something. She gets into a skiing accident in the stupidest way possible. She's getting proposed to and a big gust of wind blows her off the side of the mountain while she's still on her skis. And she wakes up and can't remember anything. But who's there to help? Who has a place for her to stay in this small hamlet town in the middle of nowhere? Who does? Oh, the handsome single guy with a daughter. Him. Weird. It's weird that that guy is the, place, is the one that has a room, right? And it's weird that the daughter is precious and, and gloms onto this new girl right away. Are they possibly going to fall in love? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. I'm not even going to. I'm done with that game. They are. They're going to fall in love. But you don't watch movies like this for their originality. You don't. You watch movies like this because they're comforting. You watch movies like this because you know exactly what's going to happen. Very good movies for people with anxiety, by the way. You watch these movies because they make you feel good because they're Christmas as f*** to help you get into the season. It's a little early for Christmas, but... You can save this one for December to watch, to warm up to, and to enjoy. Falling for Christmas, unfortunately, just gets a 5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, two movies left this week. And the last movie that's not the pick of the week is called Roald Dolls Matilda, the musical. This is a Netflix original coming out on the 9th. So by the time this episode launches, you will be able to watch it on Netflix. This is an adaptation of the Tony and Oliver award-winning musical. Matilda tells the story of an extraordinary girl who, armed with a sharp mind and a vivid imagination, dares to take a stand to change her story with miraculous results. This stars Lashana Lynch from No Time to Die, Emma Thompson from Saving Mr. Banks, Stephen Graham from Snatch, Andrea Riceborough from Oblivion, and Alicia Weir as Matilda. So the last time we saw Matilda on the big screen was 1996's Matilda, or, you know, the main version of Matilda people know besides the book that starred Mara Wilson as Matilda, Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman as Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood, and Embeth Davids, I think is her name, as Miss Honey. The original film was actually directed by Danny DeVito as well, and now we're seeing the stage version. The stage version has been around for a while, like the premise i gave said from imdb says this won tony and oliver awards and now we're seeing it on the big screen and i'm i'm a little torn on it just because i really do like this cast well lynch fantastic emma thompson great emma thompson legendary of course but the public has been bringing up good points like with emma thompson in this even though i love her to death and i do think she'll do a great job why are we still hiring thin actors and putting fat suits on them? It's not like there aren't any good fat actors out there. I may have the same feelings as Brendan Fraser's The Whale. The trailer came out today, the 8th. This is my second day of recording. And unless the point of the movie is a life-changing diet, exercise something, a life-changing transformation to so he gets thinner, that I can see. But still, why not, why not hire a fat actor? But then again, that is small, that's small beans. That's not that big of a deal. It's just something to keep in mind moving forward with movies. Like, why don't we do this? Another question I have is, was no one available from the original, or not? maybe not the original production, but is no one available who actually did this on the stage? I'm not sure about Alicia Weir, because I get it. With kids, it's hard. They grow up a little and they can no longer play that role. Unless your name is Ben Platt and your dad owns the rights to the movie. In that case, you can be a teenager forever. Except for the fact that you look like a grown-ass man, but you know that's a, that's a criticism of something else. It's actually the opposite criticism I had of, of this film, where they did get the original person to play Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen in the movie, and they probably shouldn't have. But I am being a little nitpicky with this, and that's just because it gives me more to say. Roald Dahl's Matilda the musical looks like a good time. It looks like an entertaining musical. Matilda is a fantastic story. If you have kids, make sure they read it. It's a great book. It is a truly good book. And then they can watch the movie, or watch this version of the movie, or hey, both. This is a good time. It's a good time for the whole family. From what I can hear, the soundtrack sounds pretty good. Again, when kids are in movies, it can be a little iffy sometimes. Like my, my wife and I like to use this example of two shows we watched. The kids that played Mateo in Jane the Virgin weren't good. Like I'm sorry that I'm sorry for them, but they weren't believable, they were cringy, it just didn't work. While the kids in a show like Single Parents lasted two seasons, great show, you should check it out. But the kids in Single Parents were really good. And it looks like the kids in Roll Dolls Matilda, the musical, are good too. So it looks like we won't get that cringe factor. So if you want to see a musical and you never got a chance to see Matilda the musical like I did not, then hey, this is for you. Check this out already on Netflix. It's worth a watch. If not, if you're only going to see one movie this week, my friends, save it for the next one because my friends, Roll Dolls Matilda the musical gets a seven out of 11. Alright, it's time to talk about it, time to talk about the obvious pick. Believe me, some amazing film would have had to come out, some life-altering film would have had to come out for this not to be the pick of the week. And that movie, my friends, of course, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This is a nationwide release, the only nationwide release of the week because no one else wanted to compete with it. The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Returning from the first film are Letitia Wright, Denai Gurira, Angela Bassett, Lupita Nyong'o, Martin Freeman, Florence Kasumba, and Winston Duke. But new to the cast are Tino Cuerta from The Forever Purge and Dominique Thorne from If Beale Street Could Talk. And also returning... A very important part of that return is director Ryan Coogler. He's only directed six things, but three of those six things are probably some of the best movies that we saw between 2010 and 2020. Fruitvale Station, Creed, and the original Black Panther. He was a producer on Creed 2 and Judas and the Black Messiah, which is one of my favorite films. I really am going to have to put a list together, aren't I, one day about my actual favorite films? Because I say every film is my favorite, and that's because I love movies, my friends. So he worked on those movies, and he also worked on Space Jam and New Legacy, but we're going to forgive him for that. We're going to forgive him that transgression of a horrid film because he worked on Judas and the Black Messiah, because he worked on Black Panther, because he did Fruitvale Station and Creed. Ryan Coogler... Is going to win an Oscar one day. This is not a question. This is not a guess. It is a promise. Ryan Coogler will get a gold statue. Here's what's very important about this film. Here is the thing I just noticed watching the final trailer. The final trailer already came out. It's it's so good. It's so good. But here's what I noticed. Had Chadwick Boseman not died, had he beat cancer and was still with us in some alternate universe where he is still with us, this story would still work. Just take out the mourning, just take out the the fact that T'Challa dies, and the story still works, and it's great. Maybe the movie's a little shorter because we cut some scenes, but it would still work. And that is part of my hope for this film, because I don't know, because I don't know when Ryan Coogler started working on this film. I don't know if he had already written a script by the time Chadwick Boseman passed, passed away? I don't know. But what I do know is that even if he had started working on a script, it feels like he kept it. It feels like he kept it, just added added it in seamlessly. This, this tragic loss of a talented actor, he, he worked this in seamlessly. So it feels like we're getting the story we would have gotten anyway. And I really like that. You know, you hear it a lot. When you hear people say, "Oh, we kept going even though this person died because that's the way they would have wanted it," I just heard this story about No Doubt and how before before they were big or anything, their lead singer killed himself, and they decided to keep going because they thought that's what it, he would have wanted. In that situation, they knew it's what he what he would have wanted because they knew him; they were friends with him, and they say that Chadwick Boseman would have wanted Black Panther to continue. And I have no doubt in my mind, I never met the man, you never met the man, but do you doubt it? Do you doubt that he would have wanted this to keep going? That he would have wanted the story of Wakanda to keep going? That he would have wanted another movie to be made with a primarily black cast, with a black writer-director that tells a story focusing on black culture? I think he would have wanted that so much. Because it seems like that's the kind of person he was. I mean, he was fighting cancer silently, and he was still visiting sick kids in the hospital. That's the kind of person he was. So I refuse to think that someone who could do that would sit back and go, No, don't do it without me. So in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we are seeing the introduction of Namor the Submariner, one of the best bad guys that Marvel has. Because also, he sometimes does good. He has saved the day. He was part of the Avengers at one time, but he's also a huge c- <laughs> He murdered countless people when he flooded Wakanda in the comics. In fact, didn't he also kill Black Panther in the comics too? I can't remember. Because in the comics, T'Challa dies. Shuri takes over and she fights Namor when the Atlanteans invade. Then T'Challa comes back because of, you know, fucking comic book witchcraft and becomes black panther again because we can see a t'challa again in future movies it just won't be chadwick boseman it could be someone else playing the role thanks to the multiverse but we're not talking about that yet we're talking about the fact that namor the submariner played by tino cuerta looks like he's gonna do a killer job this looks like a good story because the atlanteans are mad going hey wakanda you and i uh y- you and us we were hiding from the world. No one knew who we were, but you go out and you tell the world we're here. And what if they find out about us because of you? And so a war starts between the two. Wakanda Forever looks like it does what a few Marvel movies have done before, like Endgame, Infinity War, Winter Soldier, movies like that, where they're going to give us an entertaining comic book film, but there's also going to be meaning and emotion, and so much more that come with it. Because in my mind, there are two types of Marvel movies. We have the Marvel movies that are fun comic book films that you like to watch, are entertaining. The Iron Mans, The Thors, Captain Marvel, Shang-Chi. And then we have movies like this, which are are that. They are entertaining comic book movies, but they're good cinema too. Not that the other films are bad, far from it, but these stand out. These make a point of saying, I am here, I am serious cinema, and people like Martin Scorsese can go suck a dick. I love Martin Scorsese, he makes great movies, but these tired old people who are sitting back going, oh, I hate these comic book movies, they're ruining cinema, can go eat a dick. They can. I get it. You can not like these comic book movies. That is fine. I understand that. Don't yuck other people's yum. Don't on other people's parade. If you don't like it don't see it easy peasy lemon squeezy my friends black panther wakanda forever looks like a really good film it really does i am very excited to see where the series goes from here i'm very excited to see how it ties into everything else i'm very excited to get another hint towards the future of the mcu because i'm oh so very excited for ant-man and the wasp Quantumania. i have never been excited for an ant-man and the wasp movie before I liked them. They they were fun. I did. I love Paul Rudd, but this one, the implications of this for the future. So Wakanda Forever, huge implications for the future. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, same thing. I am so very excited to see where this goes. So if you aren't burnt out on comic book movies, and even if you are, this is going to be different. This is a homage. This is a offering to the memory of a great actor. Even Anthony Hopkins, who won the Academy Award that year said in a speech that, he that hey, this is for Chadwick. This is for Chadwick Bozeman. A, a comment I saw on the YouTube video for the final trailer hit home. It, 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 hit the, it hit the mark so well, saying that Chadwick's voice was all throughout the trailer. And I believe Chadwick's voice is going to be throughout this movie. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to be great. I already have my tickets and you can bet your ass I'm going to do a review episode for it. So stay tuned for that but my friends, I don't have to tell you what the score is, but I will. Black Panther Wakanda forever gets an 11 out of 11. My future friends, that's it for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Do keep an eye out on the Somewhat Nerdy website, uh, my Twitter or Instagram too, because I will be posting some movie-related blogs I'm working on. them, trying to get back into that. I will try to get b- back into book blogging too on my personal blog. Uh, just... Uh, Keep your eye open for, for more content from me. Will I ever do a TikTok? I don't know. I'm terrified. That place is scary, but we'll see. But right now, I want to say once again, thank you for listening. I am so thankful anyone listens that when I look at my numbers on SoundCloud, that it's even one. I, I Thank you for that. And while I do complain a lot that my numbers have severely dropped from their peak, still thank you. So without further ado, let's wrap this up. Please remember that you reach out to me. All the ways to find me are in the show notes. I have a link tree right there. But Instagram, Twitter, Twitter for now, we'll see. Email and SoundCloud and commenting on the Somewhat Nerdy website. All the different ways to get me. My future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billium from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. And I'll see you in the future.